Alrighty, thank you for listening to the Creekcast. As always, hello, this is David. Bit to talk about today. It's been a um, big couple of weeks in Port Adelaide footy, really. Fortunately, we're now on the back of a couple of losses in a row after forgetting what losing felt like for a couple of months there. And um, to quote one of my favourite other podcasts that I'm listening to a lot at the moment, being that it's Ashes time, retain the Ashes, suck at England, take your moral victories and shove them up your ass because we're bringing the Ashes back to Australia. Anyway, this is a football podcast. But to quote the great cricketer with the couple of losses in a row that we've got, a showdown coming up, all the stress. Why is this happening to me? Ah, it's stressful, but it's fun. Yeah, we're getting to the business end of the season. Um, yeah, last week's result was disappointing. Uh, a bit to talk about there, but uh, it felt like the Port Adelaide that we know can play can be at their best um, against one of the... Well, I mean, we've got to say it as it is, and I, I know some people are getting a bit ahead of themselves and already saying Collingwood could be a dynasty, which I feel like you need to at least win one premiership and have it under your belt before you start talking dynasties. But hey, what's, uh, it's not like the AFL media to get ahead of themselves, is it? Um, but, you know, they're, they're, you know, this is a team that's playing really good footy, um, the benchmark of the competition this year. Certainly had a good year last year um, to rebound from being pretty terrible with uh, Craig McRae coming in as coach. Um, and they've continued that this year and really set themselves up as, as I said, the benchmark of the competition. And to be fair, we probably possibly should have beaten them with a bit better of a third quarter. Um, not the third quarter efforts uh, were anything to sneeze at at all. Uh, it's only uh, finishing and uh, as always, as I've talked about at times this year, our ability to uh, actually put the game to bed rather than leave it be um, a question. In that win streak of 13 games in a row, we had a few games where it looked like we might drop it, drop it and we somehow got, got ourselves over the line. Um, but, you know, this was one of those games that we just couldn't quite get it done and, uh, and you know, some heroics from Jamie Elliott. Um, interesting uh, parallels between him kicking in from over the boundary line to Allier. Um I don't exactly agree with the, has the ump stuff, stuffed up Twitter or Twitter account, X account now. I'm just going to keep calling it Twitter because it's, Elon's a fucking fool. Um, but yeah, a really heartbreaking result, but one that uh, doesn't exactly, uh, you know, diminish your hope. We can see some signs in that game that we can match it with the best. We got the best out. We had a Zach Butters vintage performance again, um, and you know a lot of other guys were playing some pretty good footy. So, yeah, it's a disappointing result, but one that we can look at and hopefully, hopefully bottle a little bit of the good stuff, fix a few of the bad things, and and get ourselves um, a little bit, little bit more right for September. And uh, you know, it's not like the the big games don't keep on coming because now we've got uh, the Crows coming up this week um, in the in the showdown our away showdown, um, so it'll be Crows, um, Crows fans and all their dumb shit that they wear at the game. Um, so, yeah, that's what we've got to look forward to. So a bit to talk about in this next half hour here. All right, so, yes, Collingwood over the weekend, unfortunately, um, last weekend was a loss. Um, a hotly contested match, I think one that uh, Collingwood's biggest lead in the match was uh, eight points, I believe. We had a lead uh, late in the third quarter by 17 points. Um, so it kind of shows that that third quarter, particularly with the, uh, I think we kicked three goals, five to them, one goal, two, or one goal, one, something like that. Um, we should have gone on with it from that point. Uh, but Collingwood, I mean, they've shown this propensity both last year and this year to be a strong, um, come home with the, you know, wind in their sail pretty well. 
and uh, we knew that was going to come. Um, there's not much you can do. Uh, well, it's not that there's not much you can do against a good team, or a, 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 indeed a benchmark in the competition kind of team when they've got that propensity to do that in the last quarter. You've got to so put the cricket analogies. Spent the first couple of hours of wake this morning drinking coffee, watching this uh, end of the first day. Of the, First day of the fifth match in the Ashes series, so it's just on my mind. But yeah, you've got to have the runs on the board, so to speak. If you look at the quarters as innings, um, if you you know your bat, if your second innings is the third quarter, then you've got to put the runs on the board and make sure they can't chase you down in that fourth quarter. And unfortunately, you know, even if we kick five goals three instead of three goals five, um, possibly do a little bit better. I think our set shots were pretty pretty average as well. I think seven goals eight or something like that and in, com- in comparatively to um, or and, and shots in that 50 range whereas I think you know Collingwood eight goals two or something like that. There was some stat I'm, I'm, I might be misremembering it but our Collingwood were deadly deadly efficient throughout the game um, from set shots and, and some difficult ones as well and we missed some you know decent chances and then you know sometimes when, when another team's getting the decent chances and, and slotting them as well as getting the more difficult ones through such as Jamie Elliott's unfortunate game winner um, and you're not doing the same thing and in a game of fine margins that's kind of kind of where it can come down to unfortunately and you, you leave that little door ajar in that last quarter um, you know whether you know five goals three or six goals two if we had a really efficient uh, third quarter kind of like we did against the Gold Coast a few weeks ago you know who knows if I feel like that would have been enough to keep him at bay. I think it was just we just left him a couple of goals short. Uh, we left ourselves a couple of goals short in that third quarter. And, um, and again, who knows? You know, Collingwood just would have come harder. Maybe you know, it's, it's all sliding door stuff. And you know, I'm not gonna. I don't like getting into that stuff too much. I just based on how I know that we play pretty well and 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 a few of those factors. I I like to think we that would have been enough because um, we, we it almost was enough as it was. Uh, with the way the game went so um, I'm proud of the efforts uh, I don't think you know we were pretty disappointing against Carlton the week before um, so to bounce back and almost win that one I, and that's what I said last week um, if anyone that was listening knows I kind of just wanted to see how we respond like what how we responded against Collingwood was going to tell me a lot about kind of you know what to what to read into the Carlton game and uh, I have to say, I was pretty impressed with how we bounced back. Unfortunately, you, you know, we've got to take, got to look at the bad as well. And, and we, we repeatedly still in some of these big games, we just don't quite do enough. And then we've got to look at that as well um, and find some answers for that. Because that's, you know, when it comes to uh, finals um, pretty soon, um, you know, those are the questions that are going to need to be answered and, and you know apart from if you finish in the top four and get that second chance in the first week there isn't any more weeks to get it right in the final so we're going to need to make, we've got to stop having these questions asked as well um, because you know it's frustrating and, and we've been through it a bit in the last few years and and you know if we want to see that the something has d- definitively changed in this team and you know some of the guys that you know when that win streak was starting to talk about how it feels different and all those things you know we want to see the evidence of that at the pointy end of the season it's all well and good to have a 13 game win streak which is was really impressive and really fun and and one thing i always say on this podcast is to enjoy the moments through the season as well because that's part of the journey and you know the journey is why it, it makes it so special at the pointy end but we still need to have the the results and the in the guile to get through these kind of games at the pointy end and you know if we're gonna 
going to do some damage in September and, and reach our ultimate goals and it's very likely we're going to come up against Collingwood again and unfortunately won't be on our home deck. Uh, highly unlikely um, scenario that being now. So yeah, it's um, it's a disappointing one to, to kind of drop it at the end there after all the good work we did and, and you know it felt like towards the end of the second quarter and and certainly into that third quarter that we really, really were um, putting Collingwood on the ropes and, and making them, you know, you know the game wasn't theirs. You know, Collingwood have had the game on their terms a lot this year and uh, and we won a few teams to to really test them, but ultimately uh, still lost at the end of the day. So a few of the stats, uh, it was very, very even. Um, we lost, uh, well... Uh, it's very frustrating looking at this one actually 57 inside 50s for us to 44 for them so um god we we had some you know really some parts of the match it, particularly being that it's wet weather um you know we kept them to 44 inside 50s in those inside 50s they're only operating at under 41 percent efficiency whereas we were over 45 percent um our disposal efficiency was five percent better um, we kept them almost, you know, almost 10% below um, their, their season disposal efficiency, and ours was just just under, just a tick under our average of 70.9. So there's some stats there that kind of lead you to show that we were doing, we were kind of doing the things we want to. Hitouts and clearances and all that, n not great. Uh, we lost the clearance battle, total clearance battle by eight. So we lost at the center clearance and the stoppage, and obviously the hitouts being negative 23 for us. Um, just not a good year for us in that in that in that facet of the game. We brought Scooter out early as well. Contested contested ball we lost by minus eight. Vast improvement, obviously, on the on the game against them earlier in the season, which was um, quite embarrassing. Um, our contested ball uh, turnovers we won that battle as well. Plus seven, uh, you know, well minus seven, I guess, uh, to look at it in in, in golf scores for turnovers. Um, marks for the match, 66 to 55, 10 marks to 8 inside 50, so we slightly edged that. I know this year, like, when we've really dominated, it's been 15 to 5 and stuff like that, but in a close match like this, that's, again, it's good. There's, they're, they're fine margins. All of these are fine margins, but um, tackles inside 50 again, 15 to 2. Like, we were really, you know, a lot of the things that we're doing well this year um, or, or metrics that often... A part of a win they were there but there was just it's just it's a close match against a good team and unfortunately uh that's ultimately what what led to the kind of the result we saw uh really impressed with willem drew's uh performance in this one uh i think he he showed that kind of you just need the right player for the and it's not like you're ever going to tag nick dacos completely out of a game he's going to find an impact here and there but Willem Drew to get 16 disposals six six, and 16 tackles. A uh, few clearances in there as well. Um, and just do a job on Nick Dacos and at least uh, you know try to mitigate his impact a little bit throughout the game. I know we got off the hook a little bit late on, but um, you know that was at the time when the game was kind of just there to be won. So it shows that there is a, a route to at least mitigating his impact. Obviously, it's not going to be... Um, the, the impact isn't going to be completely uh, taken out of the game, but uh, you can you can work towards having him um, having his impact just just blunted a little bit, which is what kind of what you're, you're just looking. That's what you're looking for, really. 
Um, and I'm looking at, um, just trying to look at AFL fantasy stats. Yeah, so <laughs> Willem Drew out fantasy Nick Dacos in the game. So Willem Drew is actually the top fantasy performer in the game. Uh, 117 fantasy. I know fantasy's neither here nor there, but it's a metric to, I guess, how your 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 uh, uh, impact on the game has been measured uh, by a statistical reading that gives a, a fantasy you know points outcome. Um, Nick Dacos had 86 for the game, which was 10th on this list from the looks. Yeah, he's 10th in the fantasy rankings. So, uh, which still it's, it's still a good performance, but it's not the performance that he has been lighting up the competition with this year. It's still like he's had an impact obviously um, the top four fantasy and performers for the game actually were Drew with 117 Rosie with 108 Houston 106 Butters 105 and then Taylor Adams was the top scorer for um, the, the Collingwood uh, Magpies so Ryan Burton 92 was the next one for us as well so a good return to the side for him um, so it was good to see you know but it, it was good to see a lot of these guys that have been a bit quiet since um not that Rosie and you, Rosie and Houston, have been pretty good since the bye, but uh, Butters certainly hadn't had a big game until this one um, since uh, pre-bye. So you know, good to see some guys get rounding back into form again. Um, Rosie and Butters right at the top of the just, you know the stats sheet is really important for us. We need those two guys to be at the top of the stats sheet every week if we're going to have a chance of winning. I think at this point that's how important they are to the side now. Um, you know, Ollie Wines needs to needs to get he, he, we need his impact in there as well we need to find a role for him in there again because it, it's like I thought he was getting there but then he's been a bit quiet again and um, it's guys like that we need um, really impressive Dan Houston um, really just you know he's uh, he's got to be shooing for all Australian at this point but um, yeah it's just some of those peripheral guys that we wouldn't expect you know I wouldn't wouldn't be expecting to be so disappointed only wines after a game like that but you know he just it's just it's just the way it went and um, those are the kind of guys that we need those guys to round out the impact of your, uh, you know, having those guys at the top there. Because, you know, Pal Pepper was, um, had a pretty good game. Uh, Horn Francis, I think, had a pretty good game as well, coming back into the side. Um, you know, Dersma's come back in as well. He's playing well. I think uh, Rioli's having a decent, obviously, he's been suspended for a little love tap. But, um, you know, we need Ollie Wines, who just a couple of years ago was winning a Brownlow medal with, you know, some, I'm just trying to scroll down here. Hold on. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, so Ollie Wines, 30, only 36 fantasy points, uh, 13 disposals, which only two kicks and 11 handballs, three clearances. It's just, um, and two tackles. It just needs so much more out of him. That's, uh, that's pretty... I don't know if he's carrying something still. I thought we were around. I thought we. I thought he was playing himself into form at one point, um, but that's uh, that's pretty disappointing. So it's kind of guys like that need to run with the uh, you know run with the rest really uh, to you know you know because that's one of our um, that's our fourth worst pan- fantasy performer of the day. Um, you can't have that out of your Brownlow mini Brownlow medal winning midfielder, and it's not like he's a uh, you know, he's not like he's got Boke's age yet either. He's got plenty of time left in him, so, you know, we need a lot more out of him in games like this. You need him to be up there. Um, I'm not expecting him to be getting the fantasy numbers or the, the you know, Butters and Rosie are kind of taking the role of the real um, guts and, 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 you know, straws that stir the drink drink of this side, but, 
you just need him up there somewhere making an impact and that's just not that's just not it unfortunately um you know he shouldn't he shouldn't be outperformed by you know i want jason horn francis having big games but you know at this point of ollie wine's career he still should be one of the lead guys on in this side so you know little little things like that are what you can take out of the game is like a little bit of worry but overall disappointed in the loss but um encouraged by some aspects of it too and again kind of like i said last week with carlton going into collingwood now coming off the back of a, a tough loss but one that um was high energy now we're going into a showdown week um an away showdown obviously on the home deck but it's an away fan away crowd um you know how we respond to the um high emotion and high energy of a of a big game like we did last week this week again will tell me a lot um about this side all right, so one of the things out of the game, obviously, was Willie Arioli being... Um, he was suspended for two games for his little love tap on uh, Murphy, who went down like uh, like he'd been shot from a grassy knoll. Um, you know, I get it. It's, you know, loose arms, you give give umpires, tribunals, whatever a decision to make. It's kind of like yellow cards in soccer, you know. you, you just got, you, If you don't um, get anywhere close to it, then you won't get sanctioned. I wasn't mad about the fact that it's just that there's some people, um, there's certain you know big Collingwood accounts um, that we just went on a tirade about it and um, and really and really made it bigger than it was because it really was just a you know a love tap and some people would you know fucking those accounts are posting videos of like those slap championships and how hard and I was just like there's nothing like that like what are we doing here? It's just irresponsible social media and just people being. Um, dramatic cunts about it, uh, which is ridiculous. Um, so he got, he ended up getting that ban. I was glad that the Port challenged and got it reduced to one game. Um, you know, probably just the just the fact you put yourself in that position you deserve to get a game, just as a you know as a bit of a sanction warning about it. But you know, two games when players are getting only two or three games for you know launching their entire bodies at someone's head, it's just you know it's not a two game suspension based on those things and it was low impact all those stuff whatever those um you know metrics are that they use as well really disappointed to see the uh, i won't get into it too much i've talked about you know extensively over the years about racism and, and the stupidity of some of these people and um but really disappointed to see that and i hope um that it's certainly our thoughts and and love and and are with willie um, and everyone um, in the community that you know is hurt by this because you know even if it was directed at Willie um, you know other people that have dealt with this kind of racism see those comments and it reminds them of what they've gone through as well and it's just it just shows how far we still have to go this is why you know the, you know yeah the, the yes vote is important and uh, and all these kind of things because people like to think that racism is in the past and all these sins of the of the colonizers and all that stuff is in the past and you are and you know some of these people that like to think that they're uh uh progressive but and but then don't show any understanding for indigenous issues don't realize that the the generational trauma that comes with it and um and the generational attitudes that continue to pervade um and 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 manifest themselves in accounts like these um, gutless cowards that send comments as disgusting as what they did I'm going to repeat any of them obviously but I know that most people have probably seen it or um, you know without even having to, having to look at it probably know the kind of um, gutter trash racism that uh, can be sent the way of indigenous people at times and 
so yeah thoughts with Willie and um, and it's just disgusting that you know a little a little action in the football field can get blown up so much both by you know irresponsible tweeting from some accounts that should know better about just not not you know exaggerating what's happened on the football field and then obviously that just that kind of feeds into this this uh, mob mentality shit that ends up in you know players like Willie's uh uh, inbox, uh, unfortunately. So, anyway, thoughts with him, and and hopefully he's going okay, and uh, and he's obviously got a week off this week anyway, um, enforced by uh, tribunal um, uh, proceedings. But um, I hope that he's uh, taking care of himself and his family, and 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 uh, and doing well. So that's all I'll all I'll say about that. Now, I'll give him a brief thoughts on uh on the uh, showdown um, here in a second. But this morning I was on the Twitter.com. Um, as I said, I'm not going to refer to it by that other dumbass name. Um, by the way, hilarious um, how I think Elon was taking down the the Twitter signage on in their on their San Francisco offices, I think, and got shut down because like because they had to get like cranes and cherry pickers and stuff in there to take the signage off the side of the building, and they got shut down because they didn't get the permissions from the city of San Francisco, and it just just shows how much of a fucking idiot he is. Anyway, that's a slight side note. Um, but an interesting little tweet popped up uh, regarding Port Adelaide and jumpers. There was a... Uh, um, sorry, I'm just trying to find it now. There was a tweet from the footyjumpers.com Twitter account um, with a screenshot from what it looks like Miles Bergman's um, Instagram story and it's a leer and now you can go to my uh, go to Twitter or uh, I think I shared it I shared it on both Twitter and uh, and um, the uh, um, Instagram story uh, uh, the uh, Creed Instagram story so I'm just trying to search for uh, the tweet now um, but there's a uh, looks like that we might be getting a retro jumper um, that is kind of an ode to the lightning I'm trying to describe find the way to describe it as best as possible um, in an audio medium when they're obviously they're talking about something that's quite visual um, but we had a, uh, a jumper that uh, looks it, it's it, it's an ode to the, the three paneled lightning bolt jumper so um, the teal down the middle and then the black and white either side of that and just like in the lightning bolt lightning bolt shape um if you go to the like i said you go to the twitter or the instagram story um and you'll see it um but it's a leer modeling it looks like they've kind of in a setup um sorry it's not the teal it's like the teal on the left as you're looking at the fr- looking at the jumper from like if you're if they're looking at you the teal on the left the white down the middle and the, and the black on the right um so a white lightning stripe down the middle um and very an ode to I think it's like the 2000 2001 away kit. I'm actually, I'm I'm not good at remembering when exactly these ones came from, but I know that we had the one that we wore at the start of 2017 as a 20-year jersey back to the away kit from the first couple of years. So I think pretty sure this is like 2000 2001 era. Um, I actually have one of the Nike ones back in Australia. Um, one of the original ones, so it'd be cool to. That one doesn't fit me at all anymore, so it'd be nice to get one, an updated one. But yeah, it looks like Aliyah's kind of he's holding a boombox. He's got the jersey on. He's it's like he's in, 
you know, uh, my bedroom in 2001 because there's an Antec Cup Premier's 2001 poster, uh, which you can see the jersey in there. So, yeah, 2000, 2001 it must have been because they're wearing that jersey in that uh, when they won the um, preseason cup in 2001. So, there you go. Um, so, that away kit, preseason kit, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Macron look like they're doing a, a retro round one. You know, you got Lear wearing, you know, just, just it's, it's a great picture. But, you know, it's funny, I went, uh, as soon as I saw that screenshot um, on uh, Twitter from footyjumpers.com, I went straight to Bergman's um, Instagram to see it for myself, and it was already, there was no, he had no story up. So whether he had it up, and then it got deleted very quickly, because I haven't seen much else about it, so um, I wonder if he wasn't meant to post that, or or if maybe it was a little bit of, like, you know, that viral marketing, like, accidentally posted it club made him take it down but really it was kind of like let's get it out there and see if this generates any little, a little bit of buzz you know who knows um but really excited to see that looks like it's coming to you know if that's not fake you know a deep fake at all or anything like that <laughs> like then it looks like we're getting a, a nice little retro kit which would be um lovely to take part in um in that round uh, with some of our other kits because i know a lot of focus has been on the prison bars as it should be because we deserve to wear those um you know, in a in a special round for that kit being so iconic for us, um, but we have some great other great kits from our history, and with that, and they get to it'd be nice to get them um, celebrated and highlighted at times as well. And alrighty, so it's showdown week. It's I find it a shit kind of a week sometimes. <laughs> Excuse the language. I'm swearing a lot today. Some some podcasts I, I rarely swear, and then sometimes I do. I think it's just um, had a busy week again. Um, but and I find the showdown week stressful um, because you just get all this shit going on with them in the media and and fans and Twitter and all that stuff. And you know, of course, you know, there's the quote from Ryan Burton about hating the club and and hating the crows, obviously. I don't understand why this stuff gets in is a big deal. Like, sure, I, I, you know, Crows fans having a having a whinge about it is fine. But the fact that they've turned it's turned into this thing where like, oh, they're manufacturing a rivalry. I'm like, when is this? When, when did it turn in the last couple of years where suddenly we're meant to pretend there's not really a rivalry that exists, and that any time a player comes out and says something that it's just oh, it's manufactured. It's a directive from the club. Maybe the club has said. You know, you are allowed to be a bit more free with your feelings, and, and like, because it, it feels like the last couple of years there's been a bit more of it from Port. Sure, like I get that that you that there's a directive from the club in the and you know being a bit more free or hey, here's some notes. You know, if you want to, you know, because I don't expect a player to say something if they don't actually have some feeling to it. Now, whether it's a vehement hate, like hate's a loaded word because people would just hear it and go, oh, it's you know, people, they clutch their pearls with it a little bit because. You know, hate can be such a strong thing, I guess, if you look in history and, and more serious examples of actual hate. But, you know, when a, when a player's using it in the context of a rivalry, just relax. Like, they're just talking about a rival. Like, we're not meant to like each other. I don't fucking respect the Crows at all. I don't expect anyone... I don't, you know, expect their fans to res you know, respect us either. They should, you know, we've actually got history in it and, and, and are a club that is a foundation of South Australian football. Yours is not. But, that aside... I don't expect, you know, what, what are we, I don't understand what we're doing here with this rivalry thing, that, and then there's some of our own fans that are getting bent out of shape about it, like, you know, saying the players don't really care about this stuff that much, you know, they're just here to play footy, whatever, 
you know, and I, I said it last time on Twitter to someone that was doing this. Thing. I said, oh, I guess the Ramsgate was just a false flag operation. And, like, there's a history to this rivalry of players taking it seriously. So unless we have expected that to change, why are we surprised that this stuff's happening now? Like, and I know it's because there is this underlying, you know, bubbling thing about, you know, not liking the, uh, you know, the, the, the can, um, leadership of the club at a, you know, the president presidential level and maybe the, and, you know, the, obviously the people that don't like Hinkley either so they use all of this stuff as little little sticks to beat them with but none of us like the Crows do we and look if you you know we've all got mates that are Crows fans my, fuck my, most of my family's Crows fans immediate family anyway my brother who was groom, I was groomsman in his wedding he's a massive Crows fan give him shit all the time I've poured a beer over his head on the hill before like we have a rivalry we love each other but hate his club he hates port he gives me shit i give him shit we occasionally get into little arguments about it just that's that's part of life but you know we can like each other just as some of the players on each club can like each other have a beer in the off season and we have a beer during the season as well but you know they're not they don't have to like the clubs and that's what kind of the ramsgate thing was is this is like it was teams from opposing clubs having beers and then suddenly like it spills over because the club stuff got in the way and that's that's a rivalry and that's this this is we can't and then you know ben keys was on the radio this week saying it's the fiercest club rivalry in in australia and how excited he was to get down and he, and he didn't realize and you know he was excited to get into it when he came down here and all that stuff and this is what's funny is because Brian Burton's kind of said the quiet part out loud, you know, the hate and all that stuff. But what Ben Keyes is saying is essentially the same thing. You don't get, you know, think about the words and read between the lines and actually have some comprehensive reading skills for once. I beg of the dumbassery and, and football fandom. Read between the lines. Saying something is a fierce rivalry is basically the underlying theme there is there is hate and animosity. You don't have... A, you don't have a rivalry, any sense of a rivalry without some animosity, and you don't get to the level of a Crows player saying this is one of the fiercest club rivalries in Australia without there being some fierce, hateful animosity between them. So he's essentially saying the same thing, just you know the words aren't as loaded as you know and and you know above the you know just and clear and 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 direct as Ryan Burton was saying, you know. Taylor Walker was in that video, like, when they did that socials thing, like, when they were asking players from both teams what their favourite thing about either side was, or, um, you know, what do you like... Well, I can't remember what the exact question was, but what do you like about Port Adelaide? And he said, what's the a good thing about Port Adelaide? And I think he said, the only good thing about Port Adelaide is the road out of it or something like that. Like, there's barbs from both sides. Other teams in Melbourne, the Victorian sides have these little things too. That people are saying, oh, it only happens here. And it's like it is more of a... It, we have a special thing with the showdown because it's a fierce rivalry in a football state that has a level of crazy fandom like Victoria does, but only two clubs to to take that out on. So it's a lot more, um, a lot more pure, and it's not diluted across a bunch of teams because um, you know Collingwood has you know a bunch of rivals over there, so it's hard to focus on any which one. Um, but you know we have two games a year that we really focus all that kind of hateful rivalry energy in. And that's, that's okay to have that rivalry too. Like, I don't understand why people get so bent out of shape about it these days. Um, you know, particularly with the history between these clubs as well and, you know, what happened in 1990 and all those things um, and how they talk about us and disrespect us and, and talk about our history and, and, and belittle it at times and, 
you know the different podcasts that are opposing podcasts that are out there that do their um, do their same shtick every every year and um, and just get the little little cheap giggles out of it. It's you know all this stuff's fine, you know, and I don't understand why um, it is. We need to get a bit of that. We need to get a bit of that hate and stuff back into it because. You know, it got a little bit too nice there at times, and um, this rivalry is nothing without a little bit of animosity between the sides. And and it's and it's and it's true that there is some hate there. Like I've talked to players and former players over the years, and they that I can tell you what some of the ones that are you know still Port fans to this day after their long long after their careers have gone, they're Port fans, which means they also you know they buy into the rivalry too, and they don't like the Crows. So it's it's a part of it. It's a part of it. And my last point on this was, some people saying that you know, oh, they just you know they don't care about this stuff, whatever. Well, then don't expect them to care about when we lose by you know 10, 12 goals in a in a in a preliminary final, and all the fans are you know slamming about their passion for the club and and you know res- you know disrespecting the jumper. Well, if they're just there to punch a punch a time card and play footy because and you don't expect them to care, then you don't get to complain when results hurt you. But then you then you expect them to just not care and have feelings about a rivalry like it's just a the cognitive dissonance uh, that is existing when um, some of our fans are getting a little bit bent out of shape about this is really interesting because we're expecting them to care about certain things but then the thing that we one of the biggest rivalries in, in club sports as the Crows player said we're suddenly expecting them to that that it's all a lie and it's all a club directive and that, oh, these players don't actually give a shit about it at all. I would be frankly embarrassed if um, I found out that every single player at Port... Like, I know there's going to be levels. Some players are good at kind of just do play footy. Like, it depends on their mental makeup. But there's going to be a, there's going to be a wide-ranging um, set of different types of people at a club. And, and some of them that are really love their footy and, and are nuffies about it are going to get into this shit. And they're going to care about it. And to expect... You know, I'd be I'd be quite worried about the direction of our club if there wasn't a... Uh, the players didn't at least understand it. And uh, you know when you see when you see the way that um, some of our former players that are you know involved at the club talk about it, you know, and you know Dean Brogan just had a really good interview um, out on the Port website this week as well, talking about um, how much um, how much different it is. So you know there's 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 evidence out there that players do care about this stuff. So don't get don't get so twisted and don't get so bent out of shape when they talk about it when the current ones talk about it too. And I guess I already said my final point on this, but my final point on this is that I think players, we are worried that if we lose the game, it makes that comment look stupid. It doesn't. Like, player, we're not going to win every showdown, but players are allowed to still feel the, the showdown. You know, it's a little bit of theatre. You know, a lot of people were praising Craig McRae for his comments post the Port game and in saying that what we were, you know, some of the stuff that happened in the lead up to the. Collingwood game, which was nothing, a nothing burger as well. You know, he was saying it's this is we need it, we need this stuff in this game. It's part of it. So just take it, and if you, you know, it's part of the theatre. You know, if we lose, yeah, it looks it looks embarrassing, but then you know, guess what? Next year rolls on, and it's fine. You know, we and we'll do it again, and we'll just keep doing it because they're going to lose some, they're going to lose some as well, and. They want to take the high road and pretend that they're um, they're not going to get into all that stuff. Well, they do, um, and their fan accounts do, and they all talk shit week to week. And 
you know, Tom Duday gets on Twitter and says his says his, his says his piece as well. So, you know, it goes both ways, um, and you know, people are just got to calm the fu- calm the farm a little bit about it. Alrighty, so we go into this game um, in it with some interesting selection, uh, some real interesting selections. We'll talk about ours first. Um, obviously, Willie Rioli's um, out with the suspension. Uh, Lysett's being managed, and I think it's just ever since he got injured again, he hasn't been exactly right. Um, so while some might question that decision, it's tough because if he's not going to make it through a game, well, then you kind of want to get someone that's, you know, in Vicentini... Uh, with a bit more preparation uh, rather than the uh, the last second um, run he got in his first game. It, it, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I am, it does obviously worry me that Riley O'Brien's just going to fucking win the showdown medal again or something like that against us because he does seem to lift for these games and, um, and uh, you know, Vicentini's going to be you know, youthful in there, but it's going to be a bit, it'll be the ruck by committee as well, you know, Finlayson will take some taps, um, you know, Dixon as well, who's pretty handy at times, but it obviously it pulls away from our forward lines, which we saw happen last week against Collingwood, that we probably started, to, the game started to falter a little bit once we were having a, you know, just, you know, shake it up a little bit with Lysett, um, you know, off the ground and, and all that stuff. Obviously the other one, um, Darcy Byrne-Jones is back in after the concussion protocol week out, and Vicentini as well. Uh, Boke has been omitted, which is, you know, T-Boke omitted is not something I ever thought I'd see on a team sheet at this point, but um, it's an interesting one. He didn't have the worst game last week, nor the best. Um, and I guess with the, again, we've got, when you've got guys like Butters and Rosie really having taken control in that midfield, um, you know, you're not dropping Sam Pepper. you know, Horn Francis is back in and seems to be, um, seems a bit better again, Dersma. Uh, and obviously Ollie Wines in there who does need to pick up his form as well uh, but you know suddenly it's just like where does Boke fit in there exactly and it's it's weird to say because I know that we, I mean I know Boke for those few years when they were floating around half forward but then you know Butters and McEntee's there and again Pal Pepper Darcy Byrne Jones up there as well it's um, you know but if you're gonna have and he's already been named the tactical the tactical sub the greatest technical sub of all time is T-Boke, number 10, for Port Adelaide. And uh, he's going to equal uh, Phillips' record for games played for Port Adelaide um, this week as well, which, you know, surely Boke's going to come on at some point, um, either hopefully not through injury, but, you know, having Boke come on, like, halfway through the third quarter or into the fourth or something like that is would be a great boost, um, you know, Boke with fresh legs. So that'll be... It's, it's an interesting one. Um, and it's a, it's definitely an interesting one co- considering the, uh, the the magnitude of the day, uh, but one that I'm I'm intrigued by the idea of Boke off the bench um, and really off the off the subs bench. So it's going to be an interesting one to see how we deploy him and uh, and where the game's at. Because it'd be I mean it'd be nice if the game's just won at that point, but I don't think it will be. Um, yeah, uh, Connor Rosie's playing his hundredth game this week as well, so big big occasion for him. Um, and hopefully, you know, with him having some good records and showdowns um, now, uh, it'd be another it'd be another nice occasion for him to maybe grab another showdown medal. Would be nice uh, for in his hundredth game. That would t- um, cap it off nicely. Uh, the Crow selections they've got um, obviously Isaac Rankin's gone out. I think it, it's not as bad as what they thought his hamstring injury, but it's certainly three to four weeks, and probably I'd assume that they might just put him on ice for the season. Um, Nick Murray, uh, it was sad for him. Um, he's had a good year for the Crows and gone down with an ACL injury. So, uh, you know, 
Yeah, I can be nice about the Crows. I don't like them, but I don't, I'm not going to wish ill on a on a player that I have no personal vendetta against. Um, but uh, so they've got uh, Max Michelini back in. Uh, I think he, was, he looks like he was managed against Melbourne. So seeing a lot of managed uh, more and more in, in the AFL now, uh, which is fine. Uh, it's just it's just interesting how the the verbiage changes at times. And Rory Laird's back in for the side as for them as well. So. Um, oh, and Mark Keane, Irish player who played... I, I don't know much about him, to be honest. Um, defender, apparently. Played a few games for Collingwood um, back in 2021. Uh, but, yeah, they've got uh, Braden Cook and Jake Saligo, Ned McHenry and Elliot Himmelberg in as as their emergencies. So I don't know who, the, who they'd be looking at um, having as their sub. But, anyway, it's... Uh, Look, my expectations for this game is going to be one that's going to be pretty quiet, uh, quiet, close. Uh, it's definitely not quiet, I wouldn't expect. Um, I'd love to see us do a similar job as we did last year in that, that last showdown of Robbie Gray's and, and, and win win comfortably in the end, but I just don't see it happening. I certainly think they, they play pretty well with their home crowd behind them, and, uh, and uh, they've you know, they're still a pretty good footy side. Like you know, they've got they've got no Richelli this week either, obviously. So that that two of the the small forwards that really um, gave us some gave us some headaches in that first game. Obviously, um, changes things uh, for us defensively and what we've got to deal with. But you know, Luke Pedler's been having a pretty good year. Um, Shane McAdams, but Shane McAdams is the player that's you know at his best he's really you know really quite can be quite damaging for them as well um and obviously likes of Fogarty and and, and Tex uh, up forward create issues as well Ben Keys hasn't had the best of years but um you know they've got they've had to mix things up a little bit but they've got they've got guys that come into form this year and played simply you know Chase Jones who has been much maligned for them um you know had that time off going down to back to Tassie for a bit there a year or two ago and He's had a really good year. As I said, Luke Pedler's come on um, really well. Um, you know, you know, Laird back in. Matt Crouch playing again. Um, you know, hopefully, I'd love to see Matt Crouch have a performance that makes um, a certain, you know, certain people in the uh, <laughs> the podcast world have have a, have a rant about him again and then pretend it didn't happen. Um, but no, I don't. I don't want to see that for for Crouch. But you know, he's back into he's in the side and. You know, it's, an, it's a diff, it's a very different kind. It's going to be a different kind of look that we get from him that we did in that, that um, game that you know was really um, you know Rankin had a great game. Richelli was um, still fresh and fit at the start of the year, and and you know while I you know uh, my first thought when I knew that Rankin wasn't going to play, and not that I wish injuries on on players, but you know when, when you look at it just from an objective competitive standpoint, when I when I knew Rankin had gone down, I thought okay, that's that's um, one to, you know, one that we don't have to worry about, and it does does take some dy- dynamism out of their forward line, but it doesn't take talent out of it, and, I, and it, it gives them some different looks to look at, and also you know changes. You know, we're not exactly sure what they're going to throw at us exactly um, down there. So, um, it wor- I, sometimes I get more worried by the unknown than I do the known. Like if Richelli and Rankin were in, I'd just be like, well, fuck, I'm scared of them. So because they're, they're Rankin at his best is a dynamic player, and and Richelli's, Richelli's can be a bit of a flog, but um, he's he's a he can he can be dynamic as well. Whether it be his kind of run when he's when he's put through the midfield a little bit, or when it's just his his eyes for goal and and just kind of that um, dynamic ability he's got. So 
yeah, it's um, with those guys out of there, it gives some unknown looks to it, and uh, and could be something that um, you know I, I trust in our defense fairly well this year, considering they've battled through um, some testing, you know, injuries and and whatnot. And certainly, uh, Lockie Jones, I think, has gotten into some good form. Uh, McKenzie back and, and having got through last week, uh, fit enough. And, and and to be fair, they, they held up well last last week. Um, the inside 50s, uh, we, we were able to restrict Collingwood. And it's just that we didn't score enough last week. That was a problem. We held Collingwood to 85 points, which is this is a team that um, you know has got some pretty good firepower. So our defense did the job last week. Our midfield did the job of choking the supply a little bit through to, through for Collingwood as well. We just didn't put the score on the board at the other end. So provided our forward line can do a uh, sorry our back line can do a similar job to last week, we just really need the forwards to take their opportunities this week. We need um, you know because this we'll we'll get beaten in the hitouts again. We might we just have to catch up in the clearances a little bit and hopefully maybe edge ahead. Similar to last week, we, we we got beaten in those areas, but still almost won the game with just our um you know our, our run and our and our and our overall uh, control of the game through the middle uh, and and you know between the arcs as well as this as the second half got on until that last quarter. So you know if th- all those things a similar approach to last week, and I, I don't see a problem for us, but the crows can get in a roll and they've had that ability this year to score quick to to move the ball well when they get those chains going. We need to be able to match that, and that's one of those things that I'm really interested to see in this game. You know, we had the Collingwood then Adelaide, uh, you know, run at the start of the year as well. Collingwood got smashed, and the Crows we disappointingly wilted as well. Last week, while we lost to Collingwood, we, we were much improved against the same side, and this week I hope to see the same. That that pressure's a lot better. Obviously, we vastly improved in contested ball and a lot of those metrics against Collingwood from game uh, start of the year to now. And we need to see that same improvement against the Crows. With the plat fact they're missing a few guys that they'd like to have in there, if we can improve and, and bring that kind of same stuff, then I, I look, I'd see maybe be a turnaround from the last game and say that we win with this one with five goals instead of them. But it's a showdown. Anything can happen. Um, and that's what wor- that's what, always what worries me. But, uh, you know, we've got to hope for the best and, and, and trust in kind of the processes and the players that we've got. A fairly good side out there. Yes, a lot of them are probably playing at less than 100%, I think, at the moment, unfortunately. But um, that's a, that's kind of our full footy at this point, this end of the season. And, and uh, you know, with Butters getting back into form last week, uh, Rosie playing his 100th game, I, I'm trusting that Rosie and Butters and co. will uh, lead us across the line and and uh, get us back on the winner's list and, and just help solidify that top top four position a little bit more again. So that's about all I've got. Um, don't, there's not much more. I could just keep talking about my fears and 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 my general um, anxiety that comes in showdown week all the time. But you know you don't want to hear that. So yeah, that's about it. Calm the pair. Let's get the fucking job done. Back on the winners list. <laughs>